Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and Jesse Cofield here hanging out in the DraftKings studios in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% in your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, a bunch of other places. My nephew Jackson is a baby and figured out how to do it. And so if he can figure out how to do it, you can figure out how to do it. And hell, my dad figured out how to move a bunch of equipment to scottsdale arizona so truly all things are possible through christ who strengthens me dad good morning oh let me tell you you know how i figured out how to move all this equipment from south bend to arizona is bring the smart child and that would be your brother jake who not only helped us drive this 26 hour drive with me and your mother and three dogs then came into this room and set everything up he said you handle the lights which was pretty easy because all you do is plug them in and he did everything else. The amount of, as you guys know, the amount of equipment that's sitting here that Jake hooked up and we didn't have to call anybody and everything works. So kudos to well, your brother. We are on air. It's a beautiful thing. Now we just have to figure out the monitor so I could go Joe in there because it keeps going blank occasionally. But we'll get there. So, we'll, so and, you're saying that with your Coach Prime rankings right now, we have Jake oh, as yeah. number one. Oh, Jake's number one. Okay. Yeah. Listen, and Sydney keeps complaining because she's she's due November 18th. So she feels she should be the top child because she's bearing a child and giving me and Chris another grandchild. But she continues to spend our money every day. Mm-hmm. So we, we keep her down on the list. So, and yeah, Jake. Jake already gave you a grandchild. Jake already gave me a beautiful grandson in Jackson. Uh, so, yeah, Jake is is number one on the list because basically he drove us here and we're on air right now. So he may be not, he may be number one in the rankings for a while. Wow. We might have to give him like producer credit or technical yes, support yes. credit here for the show as well. And when you say without having to call anybody, that's not exactly true. And Jesse, I feel like you can appreciate this too. Everyone always knows that sinking feeling that you get when a parent texts you like, hey, can we chat for a second? And uh, usually there's nothing wrong, but the way every parent prefaces it, just trying to see if you're around, instantly gives their children anxiety. That is only matched by an impromptu call from one of your siblings, where I'm getting ready to call the game I'm at this weekend with Georgia, Missouri, and all of a sudden I look down and I see my brother's name on my phone, and I'm thinking someone's dead, my sister's having the baby, something's going on, and instead, he's just asking for some image so they can put it in the background for my dad's shot here minutes before I'm about to go on air. So that's a different level of anxiety that that brings on. 100%. And the older generations don't really get that. I had to tell my dad because my dad would do this thing where he would call me. And if I didn't answer, I would have a missed call. And then he would send me a text that said, call when able. And it was for Yo. something totally, <laughs> totally innocuous 100% of the time. But I was like, listen. 
that that ain't it, man. I got anxiety. You can't do that to me. So I would just say, you got to send me a text and say, hey, nothing going on. Just want to catch up. Call me when you can. Right. Yep. So he had to bunch of exclamation marks. Yeah, be smiley, very literal with this. Up. I need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and we, we listen with with Jake's wife Jenny, my daughter-in-law. Chris will text her and say, "Hey, I need to talk," and she'll immediately text back, "Did I do something wrong? Oh no, <laughs> am, am, am I in trouble?" But listen, on the phone call thing, I win. Okay, Jesse, I win. Mike's freshman year, two months into his freshman year or whatever it was. 3.15 in the morning on a Saturday night, I get a phone call that has Mike on it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, you want to talk about what that does to your body? Because I know people who didn't have kids that said, oh, I just turned my phone off at night. I said, I guarantee you, you will not turn your phone off at night when your kids live away from you, especially in college. And of course, that was the night Mike got arrested for underage drinking and everything turned out fine, but still, that made my heart thump more than about anything in the world. So I know all about that feeling, Mike, that you had yesterday. I'm surprised it was Mike calling you and it wasn't the, you know, would you accept a call from the South Bend Well, jail? he called He called yeah. he, because he had time, Jesse, because the house was surrounded. And he called from inside <laughs> and said, Dad, I'm okay. We're all getting arrested. I said, what? Yeah. He said, we're at a house, blah, 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 blah. I, I, and my first, my first question was, why didn't you run? Yeah. And he said, because they have police dogs outside. I said, good call. Don't yeah. run. Fair enough, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, made, we made the right decision there before yes. they put the cell phone in the bag here. And so crisis was averted there. So anxiety, the theme <laughs> for the day for us yeah. based on technology. Anxiety, probably the theme for several NFL teams, including the Buffalo yeah. Bills after last night. Let's get to Sunday night football and what we saw from this, uh, Dad. The Bengals get a decisive 27 to 10 win uh, in their rematch. And there was a lot of coverage around it leading into the game. This is the rematch of the two teams that played last time on this field when DeMar Hamlin uh, suffered his sudden cardiac arrest and the entire order of events around there that forever changed his life and certainly changed the lives and feelings for a lot of the guys on both of those teams that I'm sure had to process some semblance of what went on in that game. DeMar Hamlin was once again inactive for game day as has kind of been the mode for the season for him. He's a guy who's, you know, one of the you know backup safeties on the team, a special teamer, and so a lot of that's going to be based on the roster limitations there. But once you got through all of that and got into the body of the game, and excuse me, 24-18 was the final yeah, score of this right. one. I was thinking of the last matchup between these two teams. Uh, Dad, this is one where the final score is probably not indicative of how far apart this felt during the game. The Cincinnati Bengals, and especially this Bengals passing attack, have really come alive in the last few weeks, and it feels reductive, but man, since Joe Burrow's calf got healthy, everything has changed for how this offense under Zach Taylor operates. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, th this is two teams where I think we see Buffalo. It's like, can we trust them against a better team? Kind of like, We'll get into it with the Miami Dolphins situation where they can't beat a better team. But Buffalo, where's the trust there? And Cincinnati is getting to where we thought we were going to get maybe a little later. And because we've talked about the early part of the season, how they struggled. Uh, but I agree with you with Joe Burrow's calf getting healthy and getting better. This offense is starting to look like 31 of 44 for 348, two touchdowns, no interceptions. This case, it's T. Higgins, eight catches for 110 yards. We know they have the talent to spread the ball around. So the offense is starting to look 
better. The defense had been playing up and down really great at times and really good uh, at other times. Uh, so, yeah, they're rounding into what we thought when we mentioned one of the top teams in the AFC. It had, always, it had been Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Is Buffalo on shaky ground now? Miami is on shaky ground. It seems maybe that third team, if you're talking about the trifecta in the AFC, even though they're deeper than the three, Baltimore would probably be that other team right now. But Cincinnati, for all those Bengal fans, I think a lot of them maybe were holding their breath a little longer than they normally have been, but now can exhale a little bit and say, okay, as long as our offense is producing like this with the talent we have, we think we should be okay. Yeah, it feels like there's been an AFC medal stand going in back even to the yeah, preseason yes. where we looked at three teams and we said, okay, going into the season, we looked at Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills, and we said, we're going to put you off in the side as different and special because of what we've seen over the last number of seasons since each of you got your star quarterback in here. And it's done some jockeying as the year has gone along. The Bengals during the early portion of that year kind of dipped out of there. But now it really does seem like it is Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Baltimore as the top three, the upper crust of what's considered the better of the two conferences between AFC and NFC and the Bills roster dad because largely due to injury has been on a downward trend for a while right now I saw courtesy of spot rack the Bills lead the NFL 20.4% of their salary cap is on IR right now amongst multiple players now they don't have the most players on IR they've only got nine but it shows you the level of importance of a lot of the guys that are missing off that roster you saw him get a little bit more banged up last night but dad I want to focus on on the offense because for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, that looks fixed. Joe Burrow's last four games, he's averaging 283 yards per game on 76% completion percentage, and he's got 10 touchdowns against two interceptions. The Bills are a little harder to figure out because, as I saw a number of people pointing out, especially when it comes to a lot of like the deeper stats, analytic stats, expected points average, the Bills are still one of the best offenses in the NFL on paper. But, Dad, as you watch that offense, why doesn't it look like that when we turn on the tape? Boy, it, it doesn't anymore. Something just looks off. I, I'm with you. Um, you know, you expect – you know what it is? It's, it's the lack of consistency now, and that's something we were used to uh, with them was the fact that they were pretty consistent. And do we get into – to Josh Allen, you know, doing what he does sometimes best, and that's run the ball as well. You know, we've talked about it with a guy like Josh Allen. We talked about it with a guy like Lamar Jackson, that if this team is going to get where it's going to go, they're still going to have to have those guys run the ball. And that's when the offense runs smoothly. I always go back to Josh Allen's second year when he stopped running as much and was throwing as much because they didn't want him uh, in the position of getting hurt. And they, they didn't do as well until he went back to throwing it again. So, you know, now he did run it eight times. And again, they're not all design runs. I, I'm not saying it's design runs. He ran it eight times uh, last night. But I, I think that's kind of the thing to keep this offense going. And, you know, while you have Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, the rookie, has been providing a pretty nice target for Josh Allen. Uh, not a ton of yards per catch. but So I, I'm not going to lie, Mike. At times, I'm kind of surprised this team isn't as consistent as, I, as I've seen them in the past, but they're certainly not. No, and, and like we saw and heard the stats before the game that Stephon Diggs still, I believe, leads the NFL in either catches or yep. targets at this point of the season. All of the things that we would use as markers for success for them appear to be there, and yet only so much at this point. So, Dad... Are we getting to the point right now where you would drop them out of teams that you would consider a contender for the Super Bowl? 
So here's the thing. Here's where I am in the AFC. And we said the AFC was the deepest, right? So I only have faith. And this is a week-to-week thing. We're going to keep doing this, and this is what we all do. Right now, I have faith in three teams. We thought it was at least five deep, right? We thought it was the three we're talking about, Baltimore, Kansas City, and now Cincinnati has jumped back into it. We want to put Miami in there. We want to put Buffalo in there as well. Is there another AFC team? I, I don't think so, in all honesty. So I think, you know, Cleveland has such a great defense, but the quarterback issues going on with Deshaun Watson, will he be there? Will he, will he not? Can he play well? So I think it was basically five deep. But I don't know how much I trust Buffalo with their inconsistency, inconsistencies. But when they're on, I may trust them a little more than Miami, who, you know, I think really threw everyone for a loop when they put 70 on Denver and were like, this offense is unstoppable. Yeah, the only problem is the offense is unstoppable against teams without a 500 record. You know, you, you and I heard Herm Edwards talking about this, saying, well, you can only play the teams that you play and you're beating the teams you should beat, which is fine. But the expectation for Miami is to make a move in the playoffs, and that means you have to beat good teams. And they haven't done that yet. So I'm losing a lot. I have lost more faith, quite honestly, in Miami, I believe, than I have Buffalo as far as beating the top teams to get to the Super Bowl. And And I picked Miami to win that division. And I still love watching that offense, but they just cannot get over the hump of beating a good team. But, I mean, for them, would that be less concerning to you than Buffalo, who's got losses against bad teams right now, the losses against a team like the Patriots, losses week one against a team like the Jets, where they've lost some head scratchers and still struggle with some of the better teams, right, than as opposed to just the Dolphins, who have that strict saw there. Like, you've got the Bills, who lost to the Jags, another AFC contender, lost to yeah. the Bengals, another AFC contender, but then losing those bad games inside their division dead, does that not concern you more than yeah. a Dolphins team that struggled in some close games against high-level opponents. Well, I guess I give the Bills a little favor because they smoked Miami head-to-head, too, 48-20. So you maybe have to put something to that, given there. So we'll put it this way. I'll put both those teams aside, and I'll say this is a three-deep AFC right now until somebody proves me wrong because you make a good point as far as Buffalo losing to not very good teams. But I'm I'm head-scratching with this Miami team on, on beating good teams because we see the power on offense and we thought the defense had been playing pretty well. And, and you know, we can and the defense and talk played about, well yesterday against Kansas City, by the way, well, for Miami. Like, they were able they, to get after the quarterback. They're one of the best teams at hitting the quarterback in the NFL. So that certainly popped up here. And I think for both, Dad, the common thread is injury, right? You look at Miami. Their struggles have largely been tied to offensive line injury. That continued to hamstring them yesterday against the Kansas City Chiefs in Germany. And for this Buffalo team, on defense especially down the spine, they've lost a lot of guys there. And offensively, the run game has just been completely non-existent for them and to your point if they're not going to let josh allen be a part of the design run game you saw him at the end josh allen looked like forrest gump trying to bust out of those shackles running down the street where he was just taking off and doing his own thing later in that game because he recognized this is what they needed you got me changing uh, my my mind about the miami now because i'm you 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 do look at that game and remember kc had a score and a fumble recover uh, return for a touchdown so both of these high-powered offenses only put up 14 points each. So kudos to both defenses, quite honestly, and the way they played. 
Um, game got a little closer on a drive for Miami because a couple of or a, a really bad penalty by Chris Jones. I don't know what the hell was going through his mind when he got that personal foul. But there were some bad penalties. Let me just say, during this show again, I will be going off on the NFL's rule of protecting the quarterback oh, going to go. that Washington-New England game. I will need a few minutes to vent on one of the worst roughing the penalty, uh, quarterback penalty calls I have ever seen. Uh, and I've seen more than a few. I digress. We, um, we, we, uh, will, so, we will absolutely get to that, yeah. by the way, because the NFL has been finding guys for unnecessary roughness in the last couple of weeks in a way that is wholly unsustainable. I saw former All-Pro J.J. Watt teeing off on this on Twitter on behalf of his defensive and offensive brethren. There's been some ridiculous yeah. plays that the NFL has decided to lighten guys' wallets on, and it's a joke. It's a flat-out joke, so it's, I'm with you, Dad. It's become... For, for a guy who has loved football, we both love football and got to play in the league for nine years. And I said it in a tweet yesterday. It's become embarrassing. It's it become an embarrassing thing for the greatest sport that we have in this country and the most popular sport. It has become embarrassing. So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but I clearly kind of dropped Buffalo and Miami off, Mike, as far as a chance. And I'm really looking at Baltimore and what they've been able to do. And then with Cincinnati finally climbing the ladder back again. But they're all chasing Kansas City, right? Though Kansas City's offense, we're, we're, we're still not, wow, here's this high-powered offense, you know, look, because it's still, who you got outside? Of, where are you going outside of Travis Kelsey? Pacheco's one of the hardest runners in the league. He and Mostert from Miami, they run, they run the ball so hard. But is it Rasheed Rice? Is it that rookie who is still the guy, the, the secondary guy? Uh, for Kansas City. So there's still some question marks there as where and where's the consistency after Travis Kelsey. So, Dad, I ask you then, let's focus on the teams that were winners yesterday. How do you rank Kansas City, Cincinnati, and the uh, Baltimore Ravens? One, two, and three, because the way you described Kansas City is kind of the way I saw Baltimore yesterday. And that win against the yep. Seahawks, it looks like a big margin of victory, but so much of that is because of the Baltimore defense. The Baltimore offense didn't look like world beaters yesterday. No. And so it's been the same formula. You've got the Chiefs who have the second best scoring defense in the NFL right now. Baltimore's basically the best at everything. Geno Stone, another turnover. Baltimore, yep. more sacks yesterday for being the league leader right now. So, Dad, how would you organize? those teams because I think there's a very real conversation about the Bengals being the best team in the AFC right now the way they're playing so, in all honesty I'd probably put the way it's going right now the Bengals offense as the best of the three offenses but I'd probably put Kansas City the best on both sides of the ball when you when you look at both right as far as balance I'd probably go Kansas City uh, over the other two there with Baltimore, with the ability of Lamar Jackson, of what he can do and some of the new weapons he got, though Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't been that much of this hit that we thought was going to First happen. First touchdown as a Raven yesterday, yeah. though, on his birthday. Yeah. He, he did, so he's starting to get more involved with, you know, Zay, Zay Flowers, obviously, I, I think has been, we've seen some of these rookie receivers playing incredibly well. So I would say offense, Cincinnati, overall, Kansas City, but I think they're all pretty close, but the way Cincy is playing right now, and that offense is kind of clicking, it, it's, it, you may be just a little bit of a lean toward them, even though we should be give, giving Kansas City the benefit of the doubt because they are the return champs. 
I think that's what happens to my brain is Cincinnati's probably playing the best overall of the three. What Lou Anarumo's done with that defense, what this Bengals offense is capable of, and the firepower that they've got. They've got the best offensive roster of skill players yeah. around any of the quarterbacks that we're talking about here. But I still give Kansas City the benefit of the doubt in that top spot and then slug it out between the, Ra uh, the Ravens and the Bengals. At Gojo and Golik on Twitter, it was where you can weigh in on that. But coming up next, let's get to the sights and sounds from the weekend in Miked Up Monday. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for Miked Up Monday, presented by Wrangler. So let's start with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Facing off at an NFC East showdown, tough loss for the Cowboys in this one. And after the game, Dak Prescott was asked, was this game kind of a litmus test for him and for the team? And the only problem was he did not know what a litmus test was. I usually, you know, uh, like to think highly of myself, but I don't know what kind of test that is. Litmus? <laughs> it's a chemistry term. Uh, this was a, a measuring stick game. Okay, there we go. So there we go. The I am from Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> and Mississippi. So you're right. <laughs> Different words, you know? That's all you had to say was a measure. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if that's the case, we didn't pass, and that's what that, 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 it sucks. You, you want to come into this game, everybody in that locker room. Believed, uh, and, and we still do. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're inches away, uh, inches away um, as we talked about on three different plays from, from this being a different game or being a different outcome near the end of the game of the way that it was being played. Uh, but, but we're getting better. I, I can promise you that, and we're going to continue to get better. Um, there's, there's not, yeah, we're, we're getting better, and we're, we're okay. We're damn sure okay. I mean, <laughs> a really close game. Also, kudos, guys, to Dak Prescott for not pretending to know what a litmus test was. Yeah. I yeah. liked that Honestly. out of him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would have just tried to fake the funk up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, try, you try and fake your way through. But I, 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 And I think 
he may have been, the wheels may have been turning to try and do that. But if you really didn't know, then he had no idea where to go to answer that question. So he was very honest about it. So, yeah, I'm with you. But then he throws in, I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, the folks at Mississippi okay. State couldn't yeah. have been pumped to hear him going with that publicly. Maybe just exactly. save that one for behind like, closed doors like, and try and fake it up here. They're but, like, uh-uh. That ain't it, fam. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, overall for this game, though, did this make you feel better or worse about the Dallas Cowboys? We had had this conversation coming off the absolute ass-kicking they took at the hands of the 49ers. This game was a lot closer. They did have plenty of chances down the stretch to win this one. Did you feel better, better or worse about the Cowboys after this loss? So again, why I feel good about the Cowboys, not great, but I feel good about them is because of their defense, right? Their, their defense is with, with Micah Parsons is just incredible. Um, so because of that, because the offensively, I mean, they have no running game, though Philly didn't run well either yesterday. So kudos to both defenses on that. Um, but that's why I still feel pretty good about them is because of the defensive side of the ball as i said and this is from the beginning of time if your defense plays well you're in a game so this one only got to a two score two point game or two score game when it was what 28 17 coming to the end of the third but for all time after that and then dallas scores after that it was a one possession game so you have to say okay you know that that's the pardon the phrase that's the litmus test is when you play Philadelphia, you know, how good are you doing against them? Because they have taken over as the top team in the NFC. You can say a top team in the NFL if you'd like to as well, but at least in the NFC over the likes of San Francisco where we said they were one and two. So everybody is measuring against the Eagles right now. So for Dallas, now they got to play them again one more time. It'll be in Dallas. So we'll see how that one goes. But, you know, for a while I thought that one, it was close. And then I thought it was going to get away from Dallas a little bit, but it came back to them. And so that, that uh, so from that part, point, I'm not disillusioned that they don't have a shot against Philly. They do, but Philly's clearly the better team. And you want to talk about a game of inches with a couple of those plays, the two-point conversion run where Dak would have been in, but he stepped out of bounds. Uh, who's oh. it? Luke Schoonmaker, who catches the ball right on the goal line and the great review of his knee actually hitting before the ball crossed the goal line. And then at the end, when C.D. Lamb catches the ball on the three-yard line and there's just a wall of defenders, if C.D. Lamb would have got into that end zone at the end of the game with that wall of defenders, it would have been one of the more great three-yard run after the catches I'd ever seen. Yeah, Dad, the Dallas Cowboys, bottom line in this game, had first and goal from the six with 27 seconds left yep. and a chance to win it. Their yep. next six plays, five plays, went false start, sack, incompletion, delay of game, and then that catch by C.D. Lamb short of the goal line. It was a comedy of errors by both teams in the last couple of minutes in that game. You had back-to-back -back plays for the Eagles where they were penalized and their cornerback on that play between James Bradbury and Darius Slay both yep. went out on those respective plays, so everyone was burping and farting all over themselves toward the finish of that game the bottom line of the reason I feel good is because Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb have figured it out in the last few yep. games that receiver pairing has finally been something that looks like what we expected there after all the criticism of him being a number one receiver and overall Dak Prescott was sensational in this game I know a bunch of people are going to argue and use the standard of well if you're not the best team in the division and if you're not winning games in the postseason you can't possibly be good but Dak Prescott played incredible yesterday and that's worth celebrating if you're a Cowboys fan, I felt better about them coming out of this matchup. Let's get to our second bit of sound from D'Amico Ryans in this Houston Texans team after what we saw from their rookie yesterday. Hey, unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. 
We talked about it when we left here in the half, at the half, right? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, we come back in here with the dub. Yes, sir. And that's what we did. Everybody kept fighting, man. Adversity kept knocking at our door, right? It didn't matter. No one in here wavered. Everybody just kept battling no matter what happened. Love the resiliency of this team. I love the way you guys fought for each other. It's outstanding. Right, we just keep building, keep stacking, man. Awesome win, way to be gritty, way to tough it out, all right? And let me get a ball here. Woo! Got a little history going on, got a little history, all right? What's up, what's up? We got the NFL rookie record. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Only 400. God! Now, let me just say this. That was not one of the only records made yeah. yesterday during the Houston Texans game, Dad. Dario Ngumbawale, who is, uh, I believe, uh, brother and sister with Arike yes. Ngumbawale, the former Notre yes. Dame women's basketball player, mm -hmm. nailed a 29-yard field goal yeah. in this game because their starting kicker was hurt. He's the first non-kicker or punter to make a field goal since Wes Welker did it back in October of 2004 for the Dolphins against his former team, the New England Patriots. So we had cool stuff happen all over. After one week off, the Good Vibes Texans dads are absolutely 100% back. I mean, what a game. First, hey, give uh, give give some credit to Baker Mayfield too, right? In, in the last drive that they had to take the lead in that game going down the field. That was an impressive drive by him before C.J. Stroud. I, I, what, what can you say about this? And you talk about the field, but this was a two-point game. And that was, a, that was a field goal in the fourth quarter of how big that was. This fourth quarter saw 31 points being scored, 17 by Houston and 14 by Tampa Bay. But you thought Tampa Bay had it locked up when Baker leads them down, and they score with, what, uh, 46 seconds left in the game. And you got a rookie, albeit he's playing great, still you got a rookie quarterback on the other side who's now being asked to take the ball down and score, you know, in 46 seconds. And he does. He throws a nice, a nice ball. He never gets rattled. Always shows a lot of poise. What a great building block for that team. Yeah, I think that's what stands out most is when he's pressured or when things start to break down, how easily he just finds his bailout option and gets the ball out, can fit it into so many spots, has the arm strength to make all the throws here. Poise is going to be the word that we beat into the ground, but to me, that is just you've got answers when problems show up at your door, and that generally tends to be much harder for rookies coming into the NFL, especially against a defense like this that outside of really the Ravens and a couple of the other top defenses, there are a few that are going to blitz you as much as a Todd Bowles defense and they yeah, got Vita yeah. Vea back yesterday they had dudes ready and it did not matter against this guy you mentioned that final game winning drive though we mentioned Darian Gumbawale dad the only problem with yesterday for those that might have bought the two and a half and that hook for this team yeah. they didn't let Ngumbawale go out and kick the extra kick point the at the end of the point. game because they were yeah. worried about it getting returned and potentially screwing things up and yep. so somehow Vegas always be known which is an absolutely terrifying prospect there so couldn't let a Goomba Wally be the hero. But, Dad, you know what we did get? Scorigami, baby. Oh, Yet another round on. of unique scores in come the NFL, on. courtesy of the Houston Texans. I believe the 10,080th different score, or 1,080th different score combination around the NFL as they finished 39 37 yesterday. Coming up next, I want to get to one last bit of sound and the fallout around the Las Vegas Raiders after a big time win <laughs> yesterday and a big time scene in the postgame locker room.
Welcome back to Gojo and Goal. I gotta get to another piece of sound from Miked Up Monday here, fellas, because it's all good in Vegas, baby. Okay, Josh Jacobs rushed for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Rookie Aiden O'Connell passed for 209 yards, and Antonio Pierce won his debut game as Las Vegas' interim head coach. Raiders routing the Giants. And fellas, the vibes were elite in the locker room after the game. New chapter, we writing our own script. Write our own script, man. That's just one step, man. You guys know how this go. But more importantly, man, this is about us. This is about you. You guys made up your f-ing minds what we was going to do, and we did it. Exactly what the f- we said. And then we did it. Hey, man, I know the coaches, the whole organization, the whole building is proud of us. But more importantly, I'm happy for you guys. That f- was rough the last two weeks. F-ing. Biggest window? F-ing front window. And guess what? Every f-ing door we go into, we're kicking that f-ing from now on. But no f- Thanks about it, man. Hey, man. You know what this time is? I'll see you. You saw it a little bit at the end there, but there were a lot of cigars going around uh, in the locker room after the game. I bet some of those smelled funny oh. as hell, too, in that oh. locker room. Uh, I, Dad, you talked about it. One of the easiest ways for Antonio Pierce, especially as a former player, to come in and endear himself was going to be, you said, to shorten meeting times. The other one, that doggy bone of that extra day coming off the win this weekend. And when he said, see you Wednesday, I said, he might live to regret that because I have a feeling things are going to start to get harder for this team now. It's just the Jets coming up this weekend. But in general, you're still a first-time head coach getting ready to do all this. But in that moment... You got to win the crowd in order to win your freedom going forward. And my brother, he won the crowd there. Listen, we, you know how many times after games we waited to hear that Ron Rivera did the same thing after Washington's win, said, see you Wednesday. I mean, those are the words you want to hear. It's amazing what can make a player happy when you just finish a game Sunday and you come in Monday for tape and you, or, or you're supposed to, and then Tuesday's your day off, but it's see you Wednesday. But I loved a couple of things he said. You know, it's a new chapter. You guys get to write the biggest windows, the front window. Listen, I get their cliches, but they're they're good ones for this team, which has turned a page, which, Mike, I don't know if I've seen kind of vitriol toward a head coach since another Bill Belichick disciple, Matt Patricia, took over Detroit. And just the stories of just the, the headbutting that went on there and the dislike from the players and head coach on what he was doing to now with what's going on, what went on with Josh McDaniels and that Raiders team. It just seemed like it was horrible, horrible chemistry. Yeah, it's the product of trying to operate like Bill Belichick when you do not have yet the resume or the cachet on your own as a head coach in order to do that. And we've heard this from a lot of former Belichick disciples about the meetings being way too long and the organization being way too strict and things not feeling as good for everybody involved. And so now all of a sudden on the other side, you get the polar opposite of that. It's kind of good cop, bad cop. And Antonio Pierce gets to play the good cop and the fun dad right now walking into this organization and locker room. Dad, do you think it's sustainable because I look out and say hey you had a young quarterback who Aiden O'Connell's been on the field already this season but still not a ton of tape on him this is probably more about the Giants situation on the other side and they get dealt a tough hand in this game you get Daniel Jones back and now appear to have lost him yet again it looks like it's feared that it's an ACL injury for their starting quarterback and so Tommy DeVito goes in for the rest of the game and struggles mightily I think this was the perfect storm for the Raiders to come out here and feel really good now I don't know how much markedly better they're going to be as the season goes along 
Yeah, I, I I don't know that either. Not sure of that. Uh, their next, I, I get to actually call their next game. It's next Sunday night against the Jets. Jets play tonight against the Chargers. Um, so, I, may, you know, we kept talking about, or I was talking about a week or so ago, that that game's going to get flexed out. There's no way uh, that the league is going to want to go to to Las Vegas, you know, for that game. But now you got a, a great win like that after a change. I mean, the league may be pretty smart in that respect of seeing some writing on the wall there and how exciting. They know the storyline's going to yeah. sell. I still have questions about if oh. the football game so, is going to be worth so, a damn once we get so, there. So, so the Jets, listen, the, it's not like the Jets are world beaters, all right? So I, I would say they have a shot in that game. Their offense isn't great. Oh, no, Their that's defense, what I mean is I don't think now, either of these teams are very good. So you asked about the test for the Raiders. After that, they play the Dolphins and then the Chiefs. So there's a little more test of what's going to go on, go on with two offenses that can put some points on the board, and you're playing a young quarterback. You know who the, the best thing in all. You know Aiden O'Connell is going to get his time uh, to work through for over 200 yards. But what you're looking for him is to not turn the ball over, and he didn't didn't throw any touchdowns either. So they're not lighting the world on fire. Now this is game one. I get it. But if they're going to give Aiden O'Connell the kind of the reins right now, then you're going to grow with that, where you're not going to see C.J. Stroud type of numbers out of this young quarterback right out, out of the gate. They don't have uh, the, the way this offense works, even though you have Devontae Adams, who still early in this game was barely targeted, which just blows my mind because you see some of the weapons that they have. So, yeah, the jury is out on how it's going to go. Remember last year when just Saturday took over the Colts? And they won their first game and then lost their last seven. Now, difference is Antonio Pierce had been on the coaching staff. It's not like he came sure. out of the broadcast booth. So, obviously, Antonio had been, you know, with this team and knows this team. So, no, I'm with you. I, I don't think they're going to go on some magical, you know, undefeated run right now. But what you do have is you have players with a better attitude, players that are, are motivated a little more, and a coach who will kind of look at the glass, which is the smart way to go, look at the glass half full after each game about, and then you make your changes where you need to make your changes at the end of the season. But I think one thing we have found out, when any Patriot assistant coach to Bill Belichick goes somewhere else and tries the Patriot way, the only place the Patriot way works is in New England. And obviously it's struggling now, but and they have well, the receipts and the rings to show show for it. Maybe it was a little more Tom than anything else, but still they did have success there and they were putting rings on their fingers there, but it hasn't worked anywhere else except Bill O'Brien won a few uh, division titles with the Texans. Other than that, it has been abject failure when these assistants have moved on to be head coaches in other places. Yeah, well, and look no further. Make sure you watch how you talk about the Patriots, especially around this organization. That story from Jake Glazer yeah. on Fox NFL Sunday was one of the wildest things that I've ever seen. Him talking about him talking about all of the sudden uh, the meeting that took place before the firing of Josh McDaniels where you had players meeting where they got to air grievances against Josh McDaniels going off on the coach in the meeting. Again, this all according to Jay Glazer, who's a pretty reputable source on this stuff. And then Antonio Pierce was asked to speak on behalf of the coaching staff and of Josh McDaniels, went up and talked about the mindset that they had when he was a part of the Giants team that took down Josh McDaniels' Patriots team back in the day and said, you know, we believed that we could beat them and we could beat anybody on that day. 
only to be approached by Josh McDaniels after the game, who said, don't ever talk about the Patriots like that in front of me again. And that just heightening the gap between the locker room broken up there, the coaching staff divide, where ultimately Mark Davis makes the change after that. So an absolutely hilarious backdrop to all of this, Dad. And one of the more ridiculous things that we've heard about thin skin coming out of an NFL locker room in a while. And, and, and let's, I want to make sure I emphasize that the locker room got a little f- more free. And I don't want people to sit there and think, oh, the players shouldn't be running things. That You know, the coach should get to run how he wants to run it. And I agree. There's got to be a happy medium, though, of where that is. You know, is the locker room truly the players or is the coach, you know, lording over it? You know, again, meeting time. I mean, that stuff. Just, and if it's not working, if you're doing all that and still getting beat, you got to be thinking, wait, can, can we switch this up a little bit? But the Patriot assistant coaches that go on to be head coaches are stuck in the Patriot way. And it just hasn't been working. And the thing about it is, is there's no flexibility. And you got to be able to be flexible. You can't just sit there and say, this is my way. We're doing it. If it doesn't work, it's because of you guys, not because of me. And that seems to be the overlaying attitude at times when those assistant coaches become head coaches. So it's free and easy right now. And I say every win that the Raiders have, they should be smoking cigars in the locker room. Enjoy it. It seems like they're going to right now. Um, Again, I don't know how many more of those, given the schedule new laid out, that they're going to have. But in the meantime, right now, it's been a rough year for them. You saw Devontae Adams. That was all you needed to see in the background was his face and how he was responding to all this. you got a very simple job if you're Antonio Pierce or Aiden O'Connell. Keep that guy happy, especially after he stayed with your team post-trade deadline. That's the zero-sum game for you. everybody welcome back to gojo and golik michael jr michael Oak senior and jesse cofield here uh wanted to take a moment and apologize we have had uh massive technical difficulties on this monday which we hate uh, you know we appreciate everybody who takes some time and gives us some time especially coming off a of football weekend to come hang out with us it's what we most enjoy we wait all year for all these fall saturdays and sundays to get to come back and talk about them here with you guys and unfortunately that got affected today so for the podcast audience who is normally used to two hours hour-long podcast you're only going to be getting one today because we had so much time lost as everyone was trying to get things fixed again nobody's fault things largely out of everyone's control here trying to make it happen as best we can but uh, we also know that doesn't matter to you listening right now you expect and we want to give you a consistent product each and every day especially coming off the weekend and we fell short on that today so we apologize we appreciate everyone who stuck with us on that and who still gives it a listen we will be back on uh, tomorrow uninterrupted back on DKN live all those good things and so in the meantime, since we still have plenty of takes that we got to get off today, now that we are back online through all of that, Jesse, it is time for the all-weekend team here. Let's get this thing started. Yeah, I need you guys to look back at your weekend. Give me your all-weekend team. So honorable mention, second team, first team. Luckily, this little uh, technical snafu happened on a Monday, so we don't have to worry about this being included in your all-weekend roundup here, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we got out of that one uh, pretty quickly there. So, Dad, let's get to uh, honorable mention first and then work our way to second and first team coming off the weekend. Honorable mention, we'll do a lot more college football tomorrow. The next yeah. round of the rankings is going to come out Tuesday night. There's a ton to parse through from this weekend. But my honorable mention pick has to go from Ty- to Tyler from Spartanburg. The Clemson Caller <laughs> Show 
caller that lit the fire under Dabo Swinney that led to a Clemson upset of Notre Dame in the noon game down there in Death Valley. Uh, Dan, I am still not convinced now that Tyler from Spartanburg wasn't a plant all along. My friend Kyle Banduho, great podcast host of Big uh, Big Screen Sports Movie Podcast, put out there that we haven't seen him and Connor the Stallion in the same room at the same time. Could be a plant overall, as he put it, to use this opportunity to weaken Ohio State's strength of schedule by making the Notre Dame win in retrospect not look as good by working with Dabo Swinney to fire up his team through the caller show by questioning Dabo, his resume, the current Clemson Tigers, etc. because it worked this weekend. And I, and I heard you say on air when you were calling the Georgia-Missouri game that if the producer doesn't have Tyler back on that call-in show... Uh, that he's failing miserably and there's no doubt Tyler feels and this is the way fans feel and cool I mean this is what fans do remember they feel if they sit in the right spot and a team wins it's because they sat in the right spot or had their legs crossed or were in the right room Tyler is going to feel like he is the reason that Clemson beat Notre Dame Uh, a nice win for Clemson tough one for our Irish but as we talked about we'll get more into college a little bit uh, tomorrow my honorable mention I'm going to go back, you know, into the NFL, Mike, and say the Raiders players. You know, I, I've been in locker rooms when you, you when you make coaching changes, uh, not during the season, but when you make them and just how everything changes, personalities change, routines change, and they have to do it on the fly uh, for a, a season that's been going so poorly. And you just saw kind of the lift the players had by not having a presence of Josh McDaniels in the room and kind of that hanging over and a former player in Antonio Pierce kind of saying, all right, guys, let's let's do our thing. You know, everything has changed up here a little bit, kind of reinvigorated them a little bit. And they went out and just absolutely smoked the Giants. We'll see how long it goes. Again, I have the call next week for Westwood one when they play Sunday night at home against the Jets. And then, as I mentioned, they have Miami and Kansas City. We'll see how long it lasts. But at least for that day, those guys got to smoke some victory cigars, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, exactly what those cigars were filled with. Still, I have well, questions you know, about, but either way, congratulations. Right. Congratulations to all of them for pulling that off, both the Clemson Tigers and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders getting a big win this weekend in some pretty adverse circumstances for both teams. Tyler from Spartanburg, I will never forgive you. Uh, let's get ah. to the all-weekend second team here, Dad. Uh, I'll go with this one. Keaton Mitchell, the Ravens running back, the 5'8 undrafted rookie out of East Carolina that got his first touches and carries of the season this weekend and absolutely went off against the Seattle Seahawks in this game here. Uh, Dad, it was a banner performance here. I just had the stats pulled up and lost him. Nine carries for 130 38 yards and a touchdown for his first ever NFL action in a loaded backfield, right? Gus Edwards had two more touchdowns this weekend. Justice Hill has gotten plenty of run there. And the Ravens, while they're still trying to work to develop the downfield passing attack, implement all the things that we wanted to see when Todd Munkin came over, what they've got is a foundation, not only with a deep backfield now that just added another name to it, but the fact that unlike the Bills, they'll still run Lamar Jackson as a part of it, has the Ravens with such a solid foundation. It's a reason why they absolutely could and should be talked about as the best team in the AFC. I, I agree. That That's the one team because you know they always have a tough defense as we're talking about the new big three now, which seems to change all the time of Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. My second team is going to go to the quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide, Jalen Milrow. They had the big game against LSU, which was 21-21 at half, and then First, kudos to that Alabama defense in the second half holding LSU to just seven points. Jaden Daniels still playing, you know, really well 
uh, for LSU, a quarterback there, but held him to seven points in the second half. But Jalen Miller not only threw for 219, he ran for 155 and four, count them, four touchdowns. So here's Alabama, just as we've talked about, kind of hanging out underneath everything else, not being talked about as much, though starting to get talked about more as the potential matchup to Georgia in the SEC title game and possibly back to the playoffs again. We'll see because they still struggle as a passing team. uh, And and will that haunt them down the road? But for Jalen Milrow, what he was able to do, Uh, As I mentioned, only eight incompletions for the game, but four rushing touchdowns on the day with 155 yards, average almost eight yards a carry. Kudos to him for that. Yeah, did you think the Dallas Turner play on Jaden Daniels was uh, targeting there? I was stunned. I guess apparently they gave it the brief replay on that one. It ultimately knocked Jalen Daniels out of the game for the rest of the game with a concussion, although he came back for one play, which was weird and makes you question a lot of the process there. But... Uh, overall, Dad, I, I, that looked like targeting to me based on everything we know. I don't think it would have affected the outcome of this game because right, LSU right. still would have been without their starting quarterback, but it could have affected Dallas Turner's availability going forward. Right. Uh, I think the leading sacker in the SEC right now, certainly a future high-profile draft pick. What did you think about that one? Um, you know, listen, we, we know as much as we complain or I complain about, I, I hate the ejection rule. Um, I, I The rule is out there. I wish they would, you know, as they review, they don't review, unfortunately, for intent, or I think uh, enough for intent. So if there's, if it's anything close, we know what they're going to do. This is both college and the NFL, is they're going to try and protect the player that gets hit. So I, while I disagree with some of the calls, I understand if it's to the letter of the law, especially in college, uh, you're going to call it with a little bit of leeway, a little bit of room. Yep, and certainly no call made here, and so Dallas Turner plays on for this team. Dad, let's get to the first-teamers this weekend. Easy choice for me here. Josh Jobs, just incredible. Coming over here on short notice, was not supposed to be the starter for the Minnesota Vikings after they trade for him at the deadline from the Arizona Cardinals. Jaron Hall, the rookie out of BYU, was supposed to get it. He gets knocked out with a concussion early in this game. And so Josh Jobs is on the sideline. The video's gone viral of him going over the cadence for the first time with the offensive line had not had a chance he barely knew people's names they said in the huddle he was asking guys all right who do I have over on this side of the formation on this given play who's over on this side and everybody kind of had to pull the rope a little bit tighter they go out and somehow get one of the most unlikely wins even for a quarterback in Josh Dobbs dad that is somewhat used to this in the journeyman point of his NFL career right now and I think that actually helps him that he's a journeyman and he's been in different systems and had to learn now it wasn't learning all the verbiage they had to he and Kevin O'Connell had to kind of work within the verbiage he knew and their verbiage and kind of mix and match uh, a little bit. But what a what a fantastic uh, performance by him. Mine is going to go, and we talked about it before, C.J. Stroud and what he did, passing for 470 and five touchdowns, calm, cool, and collective, took over with 46 seconds to go down four, let his team down to a touchdown. This guy, for a 4-4 four and four team, has thrown just one, count him, one interception as a rookie 14 touchdowns one interception five yesterday so he gets my first team it's been a strange year on the quarterback front josh dobbs is sort of emblematic of all the injury and churn that we've seen at that position but among the bright spots certainly has been cj stroud as the clear standout of this rookie class
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans would feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's talk Monday Night Football, fellas. Week 9 wraps up with the Chargers trying to even their record when they visit the New York Jets. And Robert Sala was asked if he places more importance on games against AFC opponents. And here's what he had to say about that. The reality is they, they all matter. It's going to, um, you know, you, we go back and look back at last year. We're sitting there 7-4 and four and we lose a tight one to Minnesota and a tight one to Detroit and uh, tight one to Seattle. Well, not really tight to Seattle, but it would just uh, um, there was Buffalo and then obviously my, there's just so many tight games in the second half of the year where every single one of them, you know, you just you just got to take it one week at a time and uh, just just focus on the opponent that you have and uh, are there bonuses and all that with regard to division or conference? Yeah, sure, you could look at all that, but um, we just got to take care of the moment. I mean, a team that's four and three, it's like, yeah, every game we need the W. <laughs> yeah, I'm not focused on this. I'm focused on rear delts, brother. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it, it, Dad, this is such a weird game because I feel like both of these teams are on hold from the thing that's actually important to them. Like the Chargers each and every week now is going to be a referendum on their coach, Brandon Staley, to see if he's going to be here beyond, forget the season, just beyond the next game each and every week. There was sort of that anxiety going into the Bears game that you called a couple of weekends ago already. And on the other side, the Jets, we know it's waiting around to see if enough Dolphin sex can heal Aaron Rodgers. He's not coming back this season. I will firmly stand on that. Yeah. But can he be the quarterback for you next year and still realize a lot of this in the meantime the rest of this looks like a stoppable forced meets movable object type game dad you've got one of the worst passing defenses in the nfl and the jets going up against a really bad passing or excuse me one of the worst passing offenses in the nfl and the new york jets going up against one of the worst passing defenses in this uh, los angeles chargers who do you see having the advantage if any in this game dad well i mean doing the last game you know seeing the chargers offensively start to do a little better, albeit, as we said, against the Bears. This this a much tougher defense with the Jets' defense. That's always kind of the thing for me is is what uh, – I'm already – the Charger defense is not good, and that's on Brandon Staley, a defensive guy coming in and just between him and the, the pieces that I, they've gotten. Now, I know defensively they have 23 sacks, but you're looking at Morgan Fox with five, Joey Bosa four, Khalil Mack with seven. They have – 
what, so that's 16 of the 23. And Khalil Mack had six in one game. He's only had one in all the other games, so let's not lose sight of that. Though they do do pretty well on third down pass rushing. They have 13 of their sacks do come on third down. And Zach Wilson does hold the ball a little long, so that one's going to be an interesting one for me. I'm kind of looking at this Charger offense against this Jet defense because Charger offense, Eckler had, I think, 23, 24 touches last game. That's where he needs to be running and catching the ball out of the backfield and some of the targets on the outside mainly being Keenan Allen for Herbert. So that's the side of the ball I'm interested in. The bright spot for all of this, to me, has been amazing, has been Brees Hall. Brees Hall, we thought, would come out slow because of the ACL last year. Leads a league of, what, 5.7 yards per carry. He's got two of the three longest runs of the year this year. He has been absolute money for an offense that needs him to be money uh, because of the quarterback situation. They're sitting there at 4-3, and three, you know, second in that division right now. But they're also one of three teams, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and the Jets, as three teams with winning records with a negative point differential. So, I mean, that that does not not really bode very well for you. No, this is – it feels like a something's got to give type thing at this point because the Jets are offense especially – you know, outside of that one half for Zach Wilson against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think it's largely looked like the quarterback that we expected. A few bright spots, some of the off-script stuff, but in general, not a guy that's a future starting quarterback around the league at this juncture. And I- I'm with you. The Brees Hall thing is the highlight, not just because he is on my DFS team in our DraftKings league that yep. we have each and every weekend amongst our family. Need him to go off something fierce. In terms of yards per game, the Chargers' rush defense has actually been better than we've seen in recent years from them. But to me, Dad, this is going to come down to what the Jets' latest offensive line combination can do. They had to mix up the bag again because of the Connor McGovern injury. And that affects a little bit of everything for them having to constantly rotate through. I think you've seen a team like the Packers fall prey to some of that, too, when you constantly have to shuffle guys up front. I, I would give the Chargers the edge in this game because this feels like if you cannot go out here and beat Zach Wilson's Jets at this point that will probably be the end of the road for Brandon Staley or at least get us one step closer to that I would agree this is kind of tailor-made for them another change on that offensive line as you mentioned and right now the Jets are second worst in giving up pass rush rate uh, against them Uh, and you have a a defense that has some pass rushers as I mentioned with Fox Bosa and Khalil Mack while he was only had the one outside of the 6-1 game does get pressure on the quarterback. So lines of scrimmage yet again going to help dictate what goes on in this game. And that's that's just the problem. And I, I don't really feel people realize, Mike, just how important offensive line combinations are. And when you're going through two, three, four, five, six combinations of how difficult that can be because a split second of hesitation gets your quarterback smoked. Yeah, and at least, you know, these guys were on the team. Like, obviously, the biggest outlier, and I think something that'll be good and instructive for a lot of people coming off this last game, was seeing what had to happen for Josh Dobbs in Minnesota to have success coming in there as a guy getting crash-landed in there, not expected to start that game, and then going in. The difficulty and how you've got to over-communicate everything. For Josh, it was all a foreign language to him. He's the quarterback, so it affects a ton of people. But everyone got an inside 
outside look at all right these are how many things you've got to account for when a new player steps up in that spot here you're worrying about the snap count and cadence you're worrying about who is in where what spot and formations all those things are heightened in the example with josh dobbs but i do think a bit instructive for just in general what happens when you've got to put another person up into the rotation in a certain spot is it stresses communication for everybody and in the offensive line where you're worried about all right working in combination with guys because you're five guys that have to work as one on every play when you're worried about calling out protections and oh by the way you've got a quarterback back there that's still not one of those guys you can count on to man the helm on that himself and be the guy solely in charge of that and feel great about each and every snap here I think all of that together coming off of that very high profile example is a good reminder and a good way to I think explain to people this is what happens when you shuffle the deck time and time again even for guys that are all a part of the same team I, I'm still amazed at this point, and, and I've never been one of those guys at the season ended today type thing, but the Jets are in the playoffs right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the Jets, the Steelers, and the Browns that are the wild card teams, and two of those three teams I just mentioned as having winning records and negative point differential, both the Steelers and the Jets. So somewhat amazing. I mean, it's like the Chargers are kind of hanging on and we expected more for them, so it still always feels like they're underachieving a bit. But this is a good good chance for them to kind of stay right in the mix of that three loss, four loss teams that are fighting for the wild card spots at this point. Yeah, the Jets, uh, part of the reason why we're talking about them and that at all, defense still cooks, eighth in EPA per play yep. on defense so far this season. A and up front, they've been the difference. And right for the Chargers, it's been the right side of that offensive line at certain times has been uh, uh, having issues. Obviously, you lost your starting center, Corey Lindsley, for the rest of the season. And so we saw some of the issues that popped up with that. But this is a game they absolutely have to win, that Jets defense and that Jets defensive front. We know, very fierce. But for Kellen Moore and company here the things that Kellen Moore was brought over here to do with this offense should be the exact kind of things using all the motion and window dressing trying to stretch the ball downfield having a running back who's as capable a receiver as Austin Eckler is those are all the things that can help mitigate some of that pass rush dad so I'd expect even though this is par for the course of them right plenty of passes to the running back in the short area here trying to use the screen game to take some of the edge off the defensive front the normal things that you would do to try and go up against an attack like that I, I had said in, in the last game that Eckler, two games before that, when he came back, it was his worst two-game stretch of his career. had 108 total yards. I said he's got to touch it 20 to 24 times. He ended up touching it 23 times. It was the first time last week, and we keep saying, albeit it was against you know Chicago, but it was the first time that that offense kind of resembled the offense we're used to with the Chargers. So can they continue that against a much better defense against the Jets? Austin Eckler has to have tons of touches tonight. He does, because again, like we said, every game from here on out is going to be a referendum on Brandon Staley. There's a pretty easy binary in the goals for this season for the Los Angeles Chargers, and figuring out if your head coach is going to be here beyond this year is line item number one on the list. All right, guys, we're going to get to the finish line today. Thank you, as always, for everyone who has listened to us, for bearing with us today with some technical difficulties. 
whatever version of the show we got here shout out to super producer brandon newman who's going to have his work cut out for him frankensteining this thing together you can get it by downloading subscribing rating and reviewing leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast you can also check out some of what we had from the first hour up on the DraftKings youtube channel i've seen that is already up there and for the rest of it we promise to come back with renewed effort and even better takes tomorrow as we'll have plenty of spillover from the nfl weekend that we didn't get to some interesting questions about the afc and a ton of college football to unpack heading into the first round of the cfp rankings but dad jesse we still got to finish it off with this that and the third for everybody three quick stories to send you off on into your day and let's start with this we are still every day just waking up and waiting for things to come out about the michigan football sign stealing <laughs> scandal every day i wonder how some sports writer is going to wedge connor the stallion's name into a headline i could not have possibly concocted beforehand or thought of in a prior life here this time around though this is good old-fashioned trolling shout out to new mexico football for leaning into the bit right now and not posting hitler on their jumbotron before the game michigan state still bad instead new mexico on their jumbotron welcoming fans as some stadiums are want to do put up welcome connor the stallion connor stallions possibly on their jumbotron dad wondering if they might fall into the list of teams that they sent out him to go and scout in advance if maybe michigan might face them that is just a great trolling job even though we know connor is no more uh with michigan i wonder if he Fired. tries to hook up i wonder if he tries to hook up with another team or i wonder if he's like i wonder oh. if, his pic- oh. if picture is you know when you walk onto the field there's that board with the passes that allow you onto the field if his picture will be on it now with a line through it said if you see this man you know don't let him out but i wouldn't put it past him to then if that is the case to wear a disguise to get on the field that man will go to a lot of lengths you know to get the job done uh on the field i also saw i don't know if you guys saw it that this article long article from a another coach from a team that michigan doesn't play that laid out sign stealing legal sign stealing where you actually watch the game watch the game tape or watch the tv uh a telecast and pick up signals from that and it says this is done all the time he said michigan just went way overboard did it illegally and left a paper trail they couldn't have been more dumb but he said this happens with everybody, everybody is trying to do it, though it is in more a legal way of doing it. Yeah. We heard stories of back in the 70s and 60s of coaches talking about sign stealing. So this happens just to the level that Connor Stallions went is just beyond. And now and this they coach has laid out a, a very easy document for or a, he's has laid out for, for everybody else who wants to now do it legally. Here you go. We got a nice his little, own manifesto. Yes. No, it's not just a like Connor, which my my favorite. Oh, it's right. It's his diary, as we've established for Connor. My favorite part about the recent proceedings with Connor, because dad is absolutely right. This has happened in plenty of ways before, but this has gone into the absurd with all the costumes, with going over film and footage of him on other sidelines that we keep finding popping up now. But my favorite part is after it was announced over the weekend that he had been fired after being previously suspended with pay as the NCAA investigated Michigan, it was reported. And I saw by our friend Nicole Arbach over at The Athletic that 
Connor Stallions refused to cooperate with any internal or external investigations or discussion. Held strong ain't no snitching when it comes to Connor Stallions. That is a ride or die, and I have a feeling somebody, somehow, some way connected to Michigan is going to make sure that that guy never wants for much going forward, provided everything works out the way they hope it does this season. So, Connor the Stallion holding strong, not giving way to any of we these haters or that. investigators. Not yeah. snitching. Yeah. No. Loyalty. You know, it you is know, a, a rare quality found these bitches. days. Jesse, bitches. let's get to that uh, and head into another impressive feat of athleticism, this time by someone who was actually an athlete, though. Zadino Chara. Uh, okay. He's 6'9". He's 46 years old. We know him because he played hockey for years here in Boston. He's a Bruins legend. He ran the New York City Marathon. In just over three hours, you guys. Three hours, 19 minutes, 19 seconds. He ran Boston in April in three hours, 38 minutes, and 23 seconds. So he's shaving down his times here. uh, The next one he runs is going to be under three, right? This is insane. And I just want to say, as a former athlete, like obviously I didn't play professional sports, but I played in college, I have never been struck by the marathon bug. No, no, oh, no, oh, no, listen. no. But it's no. very my, common for former athletes to like get into marathons. My, my Especially wife. former big guys. Alan Fanica, the yeah. former Steelers guard, was another guy that slimmed down big time like that and ran marathons. But, Dad, to your point, we watched zero. Mom do this firsthand. Yeah. I, zero interest. And, and I just keep using the fact that I'm getting a new knee in four months as my reason. But I don't know if that was a reason a decade ago. Yes, my wife ran the New York City Marathon years ago. Train the training is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. insane. And then she ran it, and obviously she did it to help raise money for a cause. She went to the person of said cause and said, "Listen, next year when this comes about, just tell me the check I'll write, and I'll write a check because I'm never running it again." This is just fantastic what this guy did. Absolutely, I still remember looking at him on skates at six nine on skates. How big and imposing he looked, and he's running a marathon. It's impressive. Yeah, I mean, and I shaving time it. off. And yeah. he's yeah. but he's six yeah. nine. His strides are like yeah, incredible. Uh, Oh, see, you know what? I'm not going to take any credit away with the strides, though, here, because this happens to me all the time when I go to Orange Theory and I get on the rower and I move weight because I'm an ox. And then I get chirped by some short girl who's like, well, your legs are so long. Yeah, you know what? And my ass is also so thick and my back (laughs) is also so wide and I'm ready and built for this right now, much like my dog Chara is out here getting it done. No one is going to slight you around here, King. Those strides are full of pride and those knees are probably full of arthritis and a bunch of other things that offset the stride like there i gotta imagine his body hurts a lot that's what impresses me the most but dad you clearly saw all the weight at least had to come off for oh, him yeah. to do this yeah but 46 and what what he's able to do yeah i'm with you on the stride thing i don't even though his steps will be less than somebody else he still ran the same distance and that's all that matters so and as you mentioned jesse it wasn't long ago he ran uh the um the the boston, the boston marathon, marathon. He, he shaved 19 minutes, 19 minutes from three hours, 38 to three nineteen. You're right. The next one, you know, Sub three. he is going to be trying to push in three hours, trying to get under that. That will be incredible. I just, I just uh, have no interest in running a marathon. No, congrats no. to the people that do it, but yes. you're sick. 
Yeah. I, I am much more inclined to pull. I like the Randy Johnson approach of, I just want to go and take pictures when I'm retired <laughs> after playing my sport. That seems like a much better way to do it. Jesse, let's get to the third. I would love to hear the Magic Johnson analysis of Zdeno Chara running the marathon here, because at this point, we're getting his analysis of everything else. Yeah, I mean, he can't keep getting away with this, but he does it every week. So here's the tweet of the week from Magic Johnson. Coach Rivera had the team ready to play, and Coach Eric Bieniemy called an excellent game. He was creative on offense and switched between runs and passes. And that is – this is a bit at this point, anymore, right, guys? Right. Isn't it a bit? Living a troll. Yeah, yeah. it's really he's not wrong. He, he's not wrong, but there's, there's, there's just no way that this can just be real, that he can just do it time after time again. I, I can't believe it. He not switched in this between runs yeah. and passes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a new one. Um, it just I, makes me wonder. I want to see Magic Johnson's reaction if one coach just decided I'm not going to switch between runs and passes <laughs> at all this game and see how Magic would digest that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, we would get a tweet about it. I'm certain of that. Are, are we buying it? I mean, in all seriousness, I want to eat no from each one of you. Are we, we buying that, that this is legitimate or we're just being trolled now? I feel like Magic I, Johnson might be very off the Internet. So I think there's a chance that he just like tosses these tweets out and then doesn't open his phone up again until he's going to toss another tweet out. So he's not seeing any of the reaction. Dad, I mean, he tweets like you text the rest of our family. And so with platform combined with dad status, it does feel like I could absolutely believe this. But I'm also hyper cynical in the Internet age and wouldn't be stunned if he had someone running his social. Who knew? This is the core of who Magic Johnson is. But we could lean a little bit into the bit and get away with it. Yeah. Wait, are you, are you ripping the way I text in the family text? Ha ha. Dot, oh. dot, dot. <laughs> yep. Okay. We're done. We're done here. If you've also got a parent who struggles with technology, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. You can hear one every day that sounds just like what you've got at home. And he knows a lot about sports. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.